We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Special edition of Knicks Fan TV presented by KnicksFanTV.com. CP, the franchise here, and I am joined by... One of my favorites, man. One of my heroes from my New York football Giants, man. He won the Super Bowl with the Giants in Super Bowl 42. One of the greatest catches. No, it is the greatest catch in okay. Super Bowl history. Put some respect on his name. He's also the host of the Catch the Moment podcast. He is the entrepreneur, the owner of DT3 Enterprises, man. This man wears many hats and also hosts Odds and Ends uh, betting show on MSG. Welcome to the show, David Tyree, number 85. David, welcome to Knicks Fan TV, man. It's been a long time coming. Thanks again for joining us. CP, it's a pleasure to finally, you know, finally build, man. You're leading the, leading the charge and uh, making sure that the Knicks is highly respected. So it's a pleasure to finally connect and build a little bit. Big time, big time, man. And, you know, what, when I do these interviews, what I love most is talking to people about their journeys. I always love to hear about the journeys and how people yeah. overcome different obstacles and, and rise to success and, and their grind after, you know, life after sports. So uh, I appreciate yeah. you coming on here. And before we get into, you know, go through your football journey, uh, you were also a good basketball player, a- as I learned. So talk a little bit about those those days back at Montclair. Yeah, yeah. Those were, the er- those were definitely the early years. I think, you know, you know, Montclair definitely changed my life in regard to, Sports in general, you know, East Orange in the earliest years, suburb, gritty. In Montclair, sports was kind of fabricated into the to the to the social culture. So middle school just got in football, baseball, basketball. I remember I was kind of being groomed even in sixth grade for an AAU team, and I was not really even aware of it. Um, and and you know, just working out in Jersey City and and then you know, summertime came and it was, you know, and it's like, yo. Do I go back and play football? Which I did. So I felt like that was, I was probably the best player I ever was in the sixth grade, but still played through my sophomore year in high school. You know, six six one. I was actually more like the, had the power forward, drop step game. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? You know, just just ice. You know, you know, it, 
jump shot and dribble game was very average. You know, yeah, to say yeah. that much. But but definitely respectable Dennis Rodman plus type game. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, who who's your NBA team back in those days? Oh, it was always Knicks, man. Okay, obviously you know, the '80s baby, and um, I, I could go back to the Kenny Walker, Trent Ch- Trent Tucker, um, Johnny Newman, Jerry Wilkins. That's that's what I knew. That's what I breathed, and 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 it, and it stuck with me. I've I've been riding. You know, like I said, I don't get a chance to get to the garden. I'm raising a bunch of kids, yeah. but um, I've been riding hard for the for the Knicks, um, since 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 my childhood. I don't have any affections for any other team. I care. I don't care about basketball apart from the Knicks. Yeah. So it's been tough, but we we keep riding. Try, tried and through, true and true, man. Who, who was your favorite Nick of all time? Oh my goodness, John Starks. Okay. Just you know, like, and I didn't know the story. And it was, you know, was, you if, if you're a true Knicks fan, you 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 understood who Starks was. But it was like he was streaky. But he was gritty. gritty. And I think yeah. that um that I just had so much respect for him. And of course, the iconic, like, you know, Patrick Ewan is the easiest. It was, for me, it was either Starks or Anthony Mason. I probably had a little bit more endearment toward Anthony Mason. Just um, you know, it was it was all of that. It's, it's hard not to say Charles Oakley, but I had some <laughs> had so many favorites. But yeah, it was definitely that era of Knicks basketball. Um, hard to choose out, out of those three Oak, Starks and and um and yeah, what you would call it, Mason. Yeah, I would say, well, Ewing number one for me, obviously. That, yeah. That's how I really got he's into in it. He's in his he's own. own yeah, he, he's a GOAT. Yeah. He's he's God mode, you know. After everything yeah. that, that he did with this team and, and put this team on his back, he's definitely God mode. But Mason, his versatility, his ruggedness, the Ooh. style... He had it all. He was he was yeah. New York through and through. And Starks. You know, Starks is my guy too. I got the dunk poster behind me. Um, they they yeah. just just the way they represented the city, man. They were just a, a blue collar group. It, it was so easy to root for and fall in love with that, those early, you know, 90s teams for me. Yeah, you you can't you said it perfectly. You was kind of God status, but there's no one to compare to him. And then the crazy thing about it was when I moved to Montclair, right around the corner was a barbershop called Young's. And, you know, it's right around the corner. And I, I walked through there and through the glass is Patrick Ewing. So, you, you know, it was Montclair was one of those dope little towns that would attract all kinds of people. But, yeah, you know, I would see Ewing in a barbershop once in the blue. It would be well protected, of course. But um, <laughs> it definitely, you know, definitely set the gaze from, like, even my sports journey. So it was special being a Knicks fan growing up. Yeah, man, and, and shout out, shout out to those days. And you know, Montclair had some hoopers too, man. We we had uh we, we had Brevin Knight on the show uh earlier this this uh this season when we were previewing the the Knicks and Memphis game. Yep. So we were talking to him about it. And you were born in Livingston, and he was born in Livingston. And I I made the mistake when I opened the show saying that he was from Livingston. He was like, no, 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 no. I'm from <laughs> East Orange, Montclair area. Get it right. Get yes, it right. Yes. I get that. I have to clear that up as well. You know, like, you know, most of us, we borrowed the hospital over there in St. Barnabas. And um, I'm an East Orange Montclair kid, commuted into Montclair when I was 10 years old. Definitely changed my life. So I say I'm from Montclair. But all my family's in East Orange, Newark, and uh, Irvington. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a different pedigree. You know, it's similar but different from Jersey to New York. But, yeah, yeah jumping on that Knicks, Knicks, Knicks gravy, gravy train was special. Absolutely, man. And and we'll talk about the latest with, with the team a, a bit later. But uh, talking about your journey and, and coming up through Jersey, obviously football was, was your passion and you came up 
through the ranks there. You end up going to Syracuse, uh, but according to you, that was one of the, the darkest times of the, of your life. Uh, describe yeah. that a little bit, what, what happened there. Yeah, I mean, I was, a, you know, like, you know, my, my vices as a young kid growing up in our era, you know, um, single parent home, divorce home, dad was very supportive and all that, but, you know, you're just kind of finding your way. So that, that comes with, you know, 14, alcohol, 15, marijuana, and, you know, it's all play, weekend stuff here, social, you might puke every now and then, and you make light of it as a young kid growing up. And I think it became tied to my identity, of course, with the women and everybody out here doing your thing. And I think you, as you grow, you know, I'm being a grown man now, but you arrive on campus and then you're in Syracuse. And the reality is it's a private institution. It's a great opportunity, but binge drinking is in, in the environment. And I fit the bill to, and, and then it became not just, you know, socializing, then it became blackouts, mm. you know, then it became, and that's, that's the interesting thing because as, as normal as it is, you know, I wonder how many people are really comfortable with waking up the next day not knowing exactly what happened the night before. And you kind of like just breeze through these things in your youthfulness and in your foolish dispositions. But yeah, I'll be honest. I'm like, nah, I wasn't always comfortable. I woke up some nights in the morning, you know, some mornings and I'm butt naked. I don't know what I mm. did the night before. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, it's laughable, but then it's also concerning deep in the, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the depth of your heart. So, you know, you kind of just, you don't know any better. So you just doing doing what you know. And I was fortunate to have sports as a guiding light. Yeah, I had a girl, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, I was, a, I was, a, I was a well-meaning jerk is the best way I can say, you know, mm -hmm. and I think I understand athletes in so many different challenges, vices, and um, obstacles to overcome. Those are my dark days because, you know, I, I was insulated with, with the sport that I love, but I was also insulated with my demons and not knowing how to overcome them. And I, like I said, fortunate, I didn't ruin my future with some of those foolish decisions and foolish behaviors. But yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, we're not as honest as, as, as most people would like to, to say when you're battling those demons of addiction, et cetera. So I was a functioning alcoholic, not really knowing it. And I was just mm. fortunate that the sport was, was louder than my demons. Yeah, and as you said, the sport was louder. You were still able to excel at Syracuse. You, you go through the NFL combine process, and yep. but but they told you it could be fourth round or it could be nothing. What was that draft day like for you? What do you remember about that when Ernie and Corsi yeah, picked up the phone you know, and gave me, you a call? I was off the radar going into my senior year, so just the, it was actually the birth of my son that 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 gave me a hope for a chance at the NFL. I never felt like I arrived anywhere at Syracuse because I never had this super stellar season or career. So, you know, just to be on the radar, hear that. And it's weird when you hear fourth round and not at all, because that's, that's actually true. Like it's a real, real evaluation process because there's so many intangibles, you know, I, I, I run well, I do a lot of things well. Obviously, the special teams was my avenue in, and I knew that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm at home with the family, just enjoying it, um, not expecting much, but hopeful. And so when I get the phone call, and it's the New York Giants, that's a dream come true. And it's like you go from just almost nodding off on the couch to hearing, hearing, hearing this, this hometown team. And next thing you know, my phone clicks, and it's the Detroit Lions. Hey, we got the first pick in the seventh round. I'm like, well, I got the Giants. I got hot real quick. <laughs> right toward the end of the draft. But it was two days back then. 
And of course, you know, the team being 20 minutes away, it was it was it was the dream that I didn't even know existed mm. coming to fruition, being a kid from uh, Claire and Essex County, having a chance to live it out right in my backyard. It, it kind of comes full circle, but it also seemed like maybe that was a gift and a curse, because talk a little bit about your rookie year and some of the highs and the lows that came with it. Yeah, you said it perfectly, man. It, it was the gift and the curse. You know, you know, um, I mean, ultimately, we, you know, when we arrive at places, when we arrive at mountaintops, the biggest challenge is having a character that can sustain the limelight, right? And I think most of us, we want our, we want our moments in the sun as athletes, and, and I kind of finally had it, but I really didn't have the character and the bandwidth to sustain it. And I had a, a lot of success on the field. I was the NFL Special Teams Rookie of the Year, J- New Jersey Sports Writers, Giants Rookie of the Year. And um, I delivered the goods. I kind of had a 100-yard had receiving game off the bench against Philly my rookie year. So, you know, they weren't expecting much, and I gave them a little more than they were expecting or as expected with a little extra sauce. But off the field, man, I'm, 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 I'm coming into practice half drunk, you know, smelling like whatever, doing mm. whatever. And that was me. That was just genuinely me being who I was and testing the limits. And in the offseason, man, I was that dude. I was, I was going to keep it real. I think Fossil hit me with about $10,000 in fines. Mm. It should have been about $40,000. But ultimately, I'm like, man, I got the best bud. You know, Dipset is on, is, 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 is bumping <laughs> up. I got the perp. <laughs> and I'm wild now. I'm like, listen, I got the best. I might as well, you know, sell it. So that was my mentality when, when, you know, like when I hear some of these things that athletes go through, I've, I've made the worst decisions and I've made, you know, I'm fortunate to live through them and make some of the better decisions. So I understand the life cycle, the, the error in thought. And basically it all came to a head. I get arrested on marijuana possession um, after my rookie year, right at Fort Lee. And that was my road to Damascus. That was me coming to the end of myself. And I just knew I needed change. And it started with a, a simple prayer of faith that I didn't know. I honestly, I didn't know it was going to change my life, but it did to the better. And I got a chance to redirect my, my life, my career, and, and, and reestablish myself as a man, uh, as a man that could sustain success moving forward. So it was, it was basically your, your faith or, or uh, rediscovering your faith that, that yeah. really helped you turn it around. It was CP. I didn't have a faith, man. I, I grew up, you know, in a non-religious home and it was, it was good. I had great parents who were supportive. They were well-meaning. They did their best, you know, and often, you know, um, the parental narratives can be really challenging and strong, but I recognized that my parents did their best with what they knew and what they had. So I wasn't embittered, but you know, they didn't have the faith to give me, you know? So <laughs> I was fortunate to, have that moment of sincerity. I said, God, all I know is I need you. If you can allow me to keep my job, I'd appreciate that too. And it was almost like a domino. I didn't know who Jesus was. And ultimately I had this crash course. My aunt invited me to church. And next thing you know, I walk out of there. I never drink again, never smoke again. I was married three months later. And I, I was kind of laying a track where my life could be reconciled. The relationships could be reconciled in the most healthy way. And, um, you know, it was violent. You know, it, the change was violent. Mm. And um, there's a lot that you don't know even about the faith, but I was able to just hold fast and navigate it. And, and God was faithful that I could be the player, the man, the father, the husband that, you know, when you when you talk about being in position to influence people, that's that's basically you want to have some things buttoned up. And most, very few young men have, you know, have you know, you got to walk through the gauntlet 
And um, God kind of walked me through that furnace and I was tried and tested and I can kind of get my life moving in the right direction to hold that, that platform as an athlete. And when you, you know, fast forward to, to 2007, which is the Super Bowl year, before we look at the glory, there was more adversity that 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 you were facing. Talk talk a little bit about the, about that season for you. Yeah, man, it was it was a, it was tough on every end. You know, the season starts. I missed the first two games with with a, a wrist fracture, and um, you know, and it's tough for a guy like myself. Even though at the time I'm the highest paid special teams player in the league, you always feel like you know you're at risk of you know being on a, on a bubble. Um, you know, maybe they could pay a young guy a little cheaper and do the same thing in their mind. So, you know, I wasn't the shoe in, but yeah, I, I ride into it. And, you know, and I'm always looking for the opportunity as a receiver and trying to position myself. My third year as a third wide receiver didn't work out. So that was my journey. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I have these aspirations. I work through the injury, come back, do my job on special teams. And, and you know, in the middle of a playoff push in December, I lose my mother. So, um, you know, you know, she had cardiovascular disease, heart disease, and I missed two games, you know, because I find out the night before the Washington game and I had to go, you know, just kind of lead the family and walk, through, you know, walk with the family through getting her back to Jersey and bringing her back home because she was in Florida. So I missed two games. And next thing you know, you know, we, we, we clinched the playoffs with a win against Buffalo. Coach Coughlin chooses to, uh, you know, go to war against the Patriots that last that last game of the regular season. Because Shockey got hurt, we went to more four wide receiver uh, formations and, and, and passing downs. And that kind of was the inroad to, to me playing more in the middle of a playoff push, you know, obviously up to the, 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 the Super Bowl, which, you know, yeah, I had a role. And, you know, a fun little story I shared, CP, was the night before the game, my teammate Michael Jennings, his mom, I got, we got, to, know, got to know her the previous year. And she was, she was a pastor in Florida. It was Kimberly Daniels. And, and uh, she was just a great woman. And she, you know, she was like, hey, let's pray. It was the night before the game. And she's like, um, hey, you know, she starts praying for the family, praying for blessing. You know, you just want to get covered up, get that little blessing. And then it kind of shifted. She says, David, God is quickening your feet. Um, he's giving you hind's feet like the feet of a deer to jump high. And then she says, um, you know, the Lord is putting spiritual glue on your hands. And the last thing she said is God's going to give wow. you a big play. Wow. 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 So this is the night before the game, bro. It's like, I'm just trying to get covered up and get a little blessing and get right. Yeah. And she, she delivers these words and I'm, I'm a believer. So I just believe. And, and I go in and when she says, God's going to give you the big play, you know, I'm thinking the, you know, the, the most forgot, the most forgotten touchdown in Super Bowl history, mm. bro. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So that's in the game plan. I hope they dial it up and they do. And the last thing her husband actually got on the phone that says the world will no longer remember you as a special teams player, but as a wide receiver. Uh. Here I am, this unknown dude. These words are coming, coming the night before the Super Bowl. And I just go out there and pray and believe God. And next thing you know, it's not, it's not the touchdown. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's what, I, what, what eventually becomes the helmet catch. Right. But I like to call it catch 42 and God does, does the miraculous. So, Amazing year, amazing run, just to be a part of it, be a part of the narrative in New York was special for a kid like me coming from from the mud in Jersey. And, and all of that is happening 
But the Friday practice, the last walkthrough, you're dropping every pass. You can't make it up. Talk, talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, bro. Yes. Yo, straight, straight, straight put me out on Front Street on all, all, all up in smoke. But yeah, it's, it's a story that's well been told. Um, you know, it's so much, like, I don't even give that much thought to it. And there's, there's this soundbite between Eli and Peyton where, you know, they had this little huddle up after the, after the Super Bowl. It's like, I told you, he's a gamer. So in my mind, you know, of course, a bad practice is like, you know, drop a pass, drop two passes. I dropped five, six. I don't know how many it was. And it, it was it was horrible. It's like it's like the Friday practice is supposed to be the, the dress rehearsal, supposed to be clean, crisp. And I'm taking all Plaxico's, you know, reps because, yeah. you know, he didn't practice that year yeah. much at all. But then he, I think he re-aggravated something. Right. But in my mind, it really didn't matter because I was taking all those reps anyway. So yeah, man, it was it was not the performance that you that you're looking for as a professional. But honestly, I throw it out the window. It it really wasn't a blip on my mental radar because it's practice. I'm on yeah. my AI. It's just practice, yeah. you know. Yeah. So and um, you know, I got it out my system. Eli gave me some love after practice. He knew I'd be ready, and we went to work when the lights was on. We're talking to David Tyree, Super Bowl champion with the New York Football Giants, also the host of the Catch the Moment podcast. And David, it, talk, as we talked about the adversity that you had faced in, in that 2007 season and battling those demons in the past, did you ever to 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 deal with the pressure and the 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 adversity of losing your mom? Did that ever? Did you ever think to to go back to drinking and go back to some of your demons? Did that ever cross your mind? You know, uh, it's a great question. I don't even know if anyone has ever asked it. The I never did. And the way you know, like when you struggle with substance abuse in any measure, when you struggle with there's so many addiction is addiction. Like you got sexual addiction, drug addiction, um, gambling addiction. It's it's a vice that that typically is masking some pain. And thank God, you know, the way God moved in my life, I was so satisfied. You know, I didn't even have to, like, even overcoming the addiction, it was like, man, I had no desire for it anymore, whereas I didn't know my previous identity apart from some of those moments. I didn't drink every day, but every social opportunity there was, very much so. And usually to the point of, you know, I was trying to go there. You know, I'm like, I tell people. I like I tell people I like my faith like I like my alcohol straight no chasing mm. you know get get all get all the you know extra stuff away from it so at that moment of calamity my comfort my source my peace was the faith and the people that secured me in that time of adversity and it was great to get back to ball and 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 basically have a work purpose that can fuel that 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 tragedy or that you know that difficulty that obviously we, we experience that kind of loss as a human. Definitely, definitely shows a lot of strength and leading up to the catch and the win as a kid, I'm watching that. And the last drive, obviously with the catch and everything, it was, it was a shocker, but I wasn't surprised that you guys had beat the Patriots because I was at that game week 17 uh-huh. at home Giants versus Patriots. Patriots going for the undefeated season. I was right there when Moss caught that. I think it was over James Butler. I felt like they ran Ooh, that yeah. that deep route twice. He missed it. He overthrew him once, and then he got him again. I was right. I was sitting right there in the upper deck, like damn. But I, I kid you not, I've never been to a Giants game where after a loss 
we were so upbeat. There was something oh. about that game where, yeah, we were disappointed that, you know, that, that we didn't crash their history. So but we just felt good about the team going into the playoffs, especially the adversity leading up to it. You know, Coughlin's job on the line and the win in Buffalo certainly sparked that. But it was just the way that team played that I was like, if we make this run through the playoffs, we can beat this team. No doubt. And then you go, you know, a lot of people, they talk about, oh, this is luck in this center. A lot of people don't remember you guys were road warriors on that playoff uh, run. You beat the number one, the number two, and the number three best teams in the NFC, Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay, Dallas in Dallas after Dallas beat you guys early in that that season pretty pretty handily. And then Green Bay on the literally the frozen tundra, that was one of the most classic games I had ever seen, man. So certainly wasn't surprising that, that you guys were able to get the job done. But after, you know, the confetti's coming down, and, and the trophies being hoisted up, did you ever reflect back on your past and the adversity and losing your mom that same season? Did, did, you, did you ever reflect on all that as, as you're holding the trophy? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. You know, people, that's probably one of the biggest questions I've gotten through the years is, you know, what were your thoughts or your emotions? And I said, the only thing that I could, only word I could find was awe, because I probably experienced every emotion in the span of, a, you know, our postgame. Um, you know, my mom was my, my sports, she was the biggest fan. She was 
we did sports together. We did the World Series runs together. We watched tennis together. Um, my, my dad was my biggest supporter, but my mom was, you know, we was in the house doing, she was a sports mom. And so um, it was everything. And ultimately it was that moment of validation where, you know, like when you kind of, this guy that no one believes in and no one, you know, is ever expecting to do anything at the position, it was finally that moment of validation for me um, internally. And of course, I'm hoping to build on it. Obviously, that wasn't in the cards. But in that moment, in that isolated moment, I was whole. And so it was it was excitement. It was joy. It was tears. It was it was everything. So I was in awe of God. I was in awe of what we just accomplished and amazed that that I would be a part of it in this yeah, no, no doubt, an, an incredible accomplishment. And then, so the next season, you you had an injury riddled season, and you missed that entire season. You would ultimately go on to Baltimore, and then ultimately, uh, your career had had pretty much come to an end. Uh, how how did you handle that? How, how did you handle your career arc, being a star at Syracuse, coming in your rookie year, being an outstanding special teams player, the the yeah. heroics in the Super Bowl? How, how did you handle the the end of your career? Yeah, the the decline was tough, you know, and I think it was it was tough because I knew that you know the the journey had, had had gotten to this place, and you're expecting and hoping and believing, and I had faith of all faiths, you know, I had beliefs of all beliefs. I had no reason not to believe that God could kind of you know restore restore this, and it's you know it was like a two year journey where I was dying, you know, like so internally. Um, every I experienced every disappointment where from that moment of my life transforming after my rookie season, everything was on the in, on the incline and after it. But I remember, you know, after the Super Bowl, I just said, I said some things that I genuinely meant. I said, well, if if my career was to end at this moment, five years in, I've been to a Pro Bowl, all pro, I win a Super Bowl, greatest catch in Super Bowl history, I'm satisfied. <laughs> And ultimately, that's the way it proved to be with that with that injury. And and ultimately, you know, like I, there were things that I couldn't control. So I felt like I'm giving my best. And by the time I had that, you know, that last hurrah with, with Baltimore, you know, I I loved the game, but I just knew I wasn't going to be in the rabbit race of trying to like, you know, work out every day and. Mm-hmm. Be ready for a call three weeks, four weeks, 10 weeks down the system. Now, I was expecting my fifth child, and I was a different man at that point in my time in my career. So I had a lot of peace with what I accomplished, seven seasons in the league when no one ever expected it. My accomplishments in my eyes, whereas I knew what I was a football player, like that was it. It wasn't about being the best receiver. It was about you the best football player. Whatever they ask you, whatever they ask you to do, you can do it. And um, that's why it was, it was easy for me to be satisfied. And I compared myself to no one because I conquered the mountains that I needed to conquer. Uh, that's real, man, because as we see in sports, it's, it's not an easy thing to, to, to accept that. I mean, I just heard an interview the other day on, uh, on uh, um, Keyshawn and, and Max's show, T.O. still looking to, to come back into the league. So uh, yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. some, some guys, it's never it's, enough. It's, it's, some, I don't want to say it like it's bad, but it's like, <laughs> You know, it's kind of like, you know, we make the analogies often with boxers and it's like, when is enough enough? It's not about whether you can play. Like, what kind of relationship do you have with glory? I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. And um, and, and it's not a knock because it's not that this dude can't perform. This right. dude 
could still run and perform, but I've always wanted to have a sober relationship with life. Like, mm. wish, you know, have everything be tied to purpose and not just to, you know, my own ambition, you know? So, you know, I try to live in, trying to live out this truly, you know, tr- meaningful, you know, this life where it's not just about moments, but it's about meaning. That, that That's real, man. And, uh, my guy, number 10, Eli Manning, seems to be enjoying life after football. Uh, what, what, was, what was one of your favorite Eli stories uh, coming up with him uh, on this journey? Golly. All right, so I don't have a lot of Eli stories. I, I will say, you know, what, what you're seeing now is what we've seen through the years in the locker room is, you know, you would suddenly find out that this, you know, this, this, goofy, this goofy dude is, is behind so many random pranks in the locker room from the invisible, you know, uh, invisible ink and jokers, gloves and cleats. And, um, but that was a subtle ascension, you know, obviously I'm a year ahead of Eli. We actually share the same birthday. So I'm a year ahead of him in draft class, but it's also like this dude was slowly emerging to be that leader. Like it was like Simba, you know, taking the crown and he finally took the crown the year we won that first Super Bowl. So, um, the, you know, the, the stories that I have were definitely true in relation to, you know, here's this dude. He, he always had, like, the relatability. He was so driven toward the work, but he's also so awkward. Like, you know, <laughs> and now we're seeing that awkward comedy yeah. personality full-fledged with the Eli Manning show. So it's dope watching my man find his niche post-career. And, it's, you know, he's he, but he was that dude. But he had to become it, which is why you have to love him. What was uh, one of the key takeaways uh, from Tom Coughlin? What what what'd you learn? You know what he, I can't express how much I, I like you know like adore and, and admire the man that he became, and the man that he was, and the man because he was consistency. The biggest thing for for Tom Coughlin, he wasn't a surprise for me because I had a tough college coach who was very similar at Syracuse, Paul Pascaloni. And so, you know, even though I had Fossil, it was like uh, my rookie year was a, a blow it year. I'm out here blowing it. Mm. And, and he blew it and we moved on. And Coughlin comes in, it's like this strict, stern character. I'm like, oh, you remind me of Coach P. But he was consistent. He was mature. And, he, and, and, and that was the central message. The, the, the first year was we had to get it out of our system that this dude is unchanging. But as a coach, as a man who was prepared, as a man who understood men and leadership, he shaped so much that I learned from still, you know, like the five minute rule is the most told, um, you know, fabric that he, he prepared us to be men. And I think that's that there's no, no one from our era that didn't get that. that doesn't value it because although he wasn't warm and endearing, he was consistent in messaging and action and, and that's a leadership trove that everyone can learn from. You know, I think we learn how to be a little bit more intuitive with understanding people. But honestly, just his give and our Super Bowl run is the reason why when we went out bowling, we went out and we did some things that allowed us to recognize he's not just a great coach, he's a human. Yeah. And so that was his his twist and change. That Super Bowl run was the, the, the icing on the cake that allowed, you know, that culture to, reap the rewards of a tremendous leader. 
We're talking to Super Bowl champion David Tyree, also the host of the Catch the Moment podcast. Salute to Knicks Nation out there. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Uh, David, thoughts on this current team? Obviously, you, you cover the Giants. You, you cover them on um, on uh, MSG and those properties, as well as the postgame show. Uh, an impressive year so far under uh, um, uh, Brian Dable and uh, the new GM, Joe Shane. What, what's your thoughts on this team right now as they make this playoff push just coming off of a win over the Washington Commanders. Yeah, I'm amazed at this 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 turnaround, right? I think that Brian Dable, they should just close the, the voting for Coach of the Year. Yeah. I think Brian Dable is hands down Coach of the Year. I was within the front office through 2020, and I was sadly on board for some of the toxic, um, you know, mm-hmm. leadership that, that, that the organization had to weather through. It was a tough position to be in in my role because I'm kind of like a cog in the middle of players and front office. And, um, you know, you have to learn how to run stuff up and down the chain. So to see what has happened with Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable and his team, this is a, a case study on culture ch- change and turnaround. And, and it's, this team is built on belief. Honestly, I did not I, – I didn't think that they would be able to, to make the playoffs – with the injury thing, it wasn't about yeah. the, the, it's the injuries that they've endured, which is the exclamation point why I believe he should be coach of the year. And I do believe they're going to make this playoffs at this point. This, this divisional win against Washington was amazing this past, um, you know, this, this, this past few weeks here. So yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at the, at the turnaround. I think they've reaped the rewards of the right leadership shift. And um, I, I just, I just put down on Daniel Jones. He's the coach. He, excuse me, he's the quarterback of the future. I don't think anyone has done more with less in the position. Yeah, I I agree. Especially going back to Dable, he just seems like he has the team well prepared. He seems like they're they're fighting for him. He has the command and the respect of the locker room. Uh, No coach to me has done more with less. When you talk about the injuries and they're bringing guys off the practice field and guys off the street and Landon Collins is coming back and and guys are just executing as best as they can. Obviously in certain games, you you see the talent deficiency, the Philadelphia game speaks out there and they've had a couple of stumbling losses as of late, but rebounded well in Washington. But he just seems to to really, really have that locker room under command, and these guys really love playing for him. The only thing, only thing I gotta knock him on, David, you can't put a Dory Jackson in punt return, man. That was you sacrificed your best corner. Uh, oh, that was terrible, man. I I couldn't yeah. believe they did that. It was Jason Seahorn all over again for me. I didn't yeah. like that, man. And and I I don't know when the Dory Jackson's gonna come back, but they need him. Yeah, I I, I can certainly agree with that. You know, um, I understand. I understand on both sides. You know, these are like really, you know, you're you're trying to get your best players, and and honestly, most players they're competitors, and so, you know, like it's 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 a tough call. It, it ended up being the wrong call. Yeah. You know, if, if Dory Jackson takes one to the house, right? <laughs> then no one questions right, right. question the decision. So I, I I agree with you, and 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 those are those you know live by the sword, die by the sword. You look at fourth down and nine again in that Washington game, live by the sword, die by the sword. And it's and it's it, he's made more of those right decisions that have energized this this organization, these teams, and players love it when you believe in them. They love it when you bet on them and, and give them the opportunity to do something that no one believed that they can, can do. And I think that's the fabric that he's built into the culture and he's getting the best out of the players that line up for him. 
You talk about Daniel Jones, and and you did put a tweet out there uh, earlier this week or last week. You felt like th- this is our guy. Daniel Jones I- is here for the New York Football Giants. I was shaky on him, especially coming off of last year. I didn't like his pocket presence. His decision-making was questionable. Obviously, the turnovers always killed us. But I've been impressed with him this year, man. How can you not? Uh, the The ability to get the job done with, I don't even know who he's throwing to out there. I mean, <laughs> Isaiah Hodgins... Has come out of nowhere. I still don't. He's he's done more than Kenny Galladay has done in two years. I can't understand what happened with Kenny Galladay, but but Daniel Jones just seems to be getting it done no matter who's out there. Richie James and Bellinger, the rookie, and all these guys, and cutting down the turnovers, leading the league in that area against other guys who are throwing to 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 Pro Bowl receivers. He's getting the job done, man. I I would be on board with the Giants keeping Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think, you know, I think this is a, obviously a GM situation, but, you know, is, if, if he agrees this is a two-, three-year deal, um, you know, he's not talking about, like, you know, highest-paid quarterback money, but he's earned the right to command, command a better team, right? And I think that's what the Giants are trying to build toward. I don't like the franchise at $30 million. Um, You know, we'll see where they're at with Saquon Barkley. They got to they gotta, they gotta figure out how they're going to tie him up as well. Yeah. So, you know, but when you're talking about making all the right – right, more or less all the right decisions um, and working with less. To me, he's very similar to Jalen Hurts um, a, a year or two ago, right? And there, there has not been any stability around him. At least now the culture is stable, the coaching is stable, and if they can, you know, solidify the offensive line is coming along, they can solidify those particular areas and get weapons in place, there's no reason not to believe that this can be a dynamic force with him at the quarterback position. Yeah. And it's so interesting that I, I was critical uh, of Gettleman like like many, but if you look at the guys that are contributing on this team, it's the Gettleman picks. It's yeah. Jones, Saquon, Andrew yep. Thomas on the defense. It's Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, a beast, absolutely beast. Uh, McKinney before he got hurt. Ojalari is doing things out there. So it, it's funny, man, that you know, a lot of these Gettleman picks are yeah, starting picks to show out. I, listen, he, I think he's a fan. You know, I, I had him as a personnel guy, as a player, and um, I was surprised at his his leadership style. It, it was it was it was frightening um, the the amount of arrogance. But that's that's the only knock that I'll say mm. as a talent evaluator. No, that that was that was intact. Mm. I, and I think that's these are subtle dynamics where most people can miss the ball, and uh, most you know ownership groups can easily overlook because people have track records and their competencies. So um yeah he he he's 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 put some talent in the building, and um he had some early misses though that yeah. that that set him back, and I think that was a part of the evaluation as well. Big time, big big time. We're talking to David Tyree, Super Bowl champion, and also the host of the Catch the Moment podcast. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for your boys, uh, David. On these Knicks, at, at the time of this recording, these Knicks are riding a seven-game winning streak. Uh, Jalen Brunson, their new point guard acquisition, has been nothing short of outstanding. Julius Randle having a great year. Thibodeau has made some adjustments uh, uh, and and really making this team a defensive first defense first type of team, a Thibodeau identity is certainly being established. Well, what's been your thoughts on the, on the Knicks so far? I think you, you, you probably said it. My biggest thought, you know, my biggest thoughts was I, since I don't watch the entire landscape of the NBA, I didn't know how dynamic Jalen Brunson was. When you talk mm-hmm. about um, finally, you know, like when you talk about, so this is me as a, me as a fan and now we're starting to see some of the fruit, I, I like to believe, with some of these adjustments, as you said, with 
with Thibodeau on the defensive side. Um, it's, it's great to see an energized outfit from the, from the Knicks, play style. I did like the reinsertion of Quentin Grimes uh, to, the, to, the, to the starting lineup. And the talent is there. And, and, I, and, and that's what we heard from Leon Rose earlier this year. Um, if, if you really ask me, just like I said, from the, from the, from the fan and not just the an, an, analyst side of it, I would have loved to see us trade the house for uh, Spider, Spider Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, you know, but I, but I do like the state of the union in light of, the, it seems like a, a belief in style, culture, in, in relation to Thibodeau being a seasoned coach in the NBA and bearing some fruit. But it's, to me, it's, it's, it's the Jalen Brunson command of this team and this offense that, that now is accentuating the star power of Julius Randle to allow us to be um, a, a force and, and be in position to make a nice playoff run. Yeah, I agree. Right now, sitting in sixth, tied with the Sixers, looking at fifth. So things seem to be looking up for the Knicks right now. We'll see how they fare this week as they play the Sixers on Christmas Day. The Catch the Moment podcast. Uh, tell the fans what they can expect from that podcast and, and what made you uh, jump into the podcast, room. Yeah, man, I, I'm a big guy on just highlighting people across the board. I want people like yourself who... May, may or may not be known, but are doing tremendous things. And I want people who are well accomplished. And at the end of the day, what's your story to your moment of success? I think, you know, everybody wants to be successful, but we first need to understand success is relative. And everybody's climbing to a moment where they can be recognized. We want the journey. We want the pain points. We want that moment of transparency. And so I want to create a platform that, that elevates and shares stories of triumph, but also through the lens of the process. So that's what Catch the Moment is all about. You'll get people that you've you know, athletes, owners, business owners, entrepreneurs, um, you know, media personalities, all alike. And and and, and you're gonna get um that 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 true sense of transparency. So give them a seat at the table and um share these share these journeys that will help people to find those solutions to get to their moment. So appreciate it. Absolutely. And you're also the host of Odds and Ends, a betting show on on MSG. You have DT3 Enterprises, the Juice Bar in, in Jersey. So as you close out the year and you look into 2023, what are some of your goals from an entrepreneurial standpoint and and, uh, and in media? Yeah, man, media is leading the way. I'm really having, you know, just great to let, let my voice find its way, especially in the New York, New Jersey community. And then moving forward, you know, um, we launched the pod just to be a platform and an avenue to elevate others. And then we're, we're moving into the catch camp at, at the Super Bowl. So uh, the catch camp is going to be a, a football camp in, in the morning in the leadership and development and careers and sports in the afternoon. We're going to launch it at in Arizona, um, hopefully in that it's going to be in that Phoenix metro area the weekend before uh, the, the Super Bowl. And we'll be, you know, doing media and radio row. So, and then we're going to bring it back home to Jersey, of course. So, uh, exciting things in 2023 between the podcast and the catch camp. And, um, you know, like, I just can't help but do. It's been a lot. There's a lot to my story that's been told. There's a lot more to be told. And um, just want to continue to live a life as a, as a lens of inspiration, but ultimately, you know, inspire people to know that they can get great done. Um, you know, so it's, 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 we're excited about it on all platforms. Definitely looking to share more. Um, you know, create an avenue that will that will continue to lead the way um, and let that light shine so that, you know, so that people continue to have that avenue of inspiration, man. Yeah, well said, man. Absolutely well said. And um, the, the last question I have, it's one that I, I, I ask of my first time guests, and that is, uh, how do you want to be remembered? 
How does David Tyree want to be remembered? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is as a man who, who represents Christ in the earth, that's the first thing. Then a, then a, 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 a good son, amazing husband, and a, and, a, and a dedicated father. And I think that, you know, everything I do, I want it, I, my greatest goal is it, that it will re- reflect the light of God, give people hope that um, all things are possible. And I think, you know, the soundbite of my career, it, I, I always look at the catch as a, as a memorial and a metaphor that all things are possible. And now my life moving forward in these particular areas of my life, that it will continue to demonstrate that, that, that all things are possible. And I know that with God, you know, all things are possible. So that's, 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 that will be my defining legacy is that, you know, with God, all things are possible and, and to be an inspiration and hope to everybody. Let that light love. I always say I got, lo- I got love on tap. So let the love shine and we'll continue to get great done. Well said, man. And, um, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on the pod because I wanted to talk about so many different things. Obviously, the Giants and, and the Knicks, two things that that we certainly enjoy and, and the memories that that you brought for us Giants fans in Super Bowl 42 was something I'll, I'll never forget. But, uh, you know, I was at a Knicks game a couple months back and one, one of my colleagues that that was with me, we, he was like, you know, let me, let me buy you a drink. So we at the bar and, and we're vibing and whatnot. And he shared a story with me that, uh, that he was on a journey to to sobriety as well. And so I, I definitely applauded him and appreciated him for, for sharing that with me. And as someone who has been impacted by others who struggled in, in my family, friends with mm-hmm. alcoholism and, and struggle oh. with, with sobriety, I just felt like that was that that avenue that I really wanted to connect with you on uh, because your story is certainly one that is a, a road to redemption. And so yeah. I definitely appreciate you for, for coming on and sharing that story, man. Much appreciated. CP, yeah, I appreciate the avenue, man. Like I said, we, we all need it. I think, I think more people than not, they want to do the right things. They want to they excel. And, um, I, and I know that there's a role for everybody. I know that, you know, when I think about God's heart toward people is that they would excel and do well. You know, like whether someone chooses my faith or not is not my business. It's just about living it out authentically in a way where they know that there's an avenue of hope. So I appreciate the platform. Appreciate your platform. Keep keep leading the way, and uh, we'll keep we'll keep the the dialogue open. Uh, let's do it, man. Uh, where can people find you? The the best place for people to connect with you. Leave them with your website, your Twitter handle, everything. Oh yeah, man. DavidTyree85.com for the website. DTyree85 on the gram, and um and 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 Tyree Nation on 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 Twitter. But uh, hopefully, it will you know like I'm 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 active. I'm active. Definitely look us up. Catch the moment podcast is something we're really excited about. So please. We're on all platforms, like, share, comment, subscribe, and all that good stuff so we can keep the, the good vibes going, build, build a, a community where we can celebrate and elevate. That's really what this platform is about, celebrating and elevating and getting great things done. And so, yeah, be on the lookout. You know, we, we, we're going to attack 2023. Celebrate and elevate. David Tyree, much appreciated. Let's go Giants. Let's go Knicks. And much, much success to you, man. Thanks again for your time. Thanks again, family.